0: Bava Matzia, Perak Zain, Mishnah Yud Aleph, 7, the last of the Perak, and really something that's kind of off topic. Since in the end of the last Mishnah we said that a Shomer, or for that matter, a person who's depositing with a Shomer, can make conditions uh, regarding their relationship and the terms of their agreement um, that are not consistent with the basic rules we set forth regarding uh, what a Shomer chinam, Shomer Sacher, Shol are obligated for, etc., and that would be binding. So, our mission here is going to talk about making conditions in general, so conditions called tanaim stipulations um in the torah basically so the basic principle and I'm just going to set it out right away is that al anyone who makes a stipulation regarding a a a transaction some sort of legal um event which which takes effect. And he makes conditions regarding that transaction or that, that legal event that are uh, contrary to what the Torah said. So then those conditions are simply not binding. Let me give you an example. So uh, when one gets married, so that the my, the event called Kedushin, which makes woman someone's wife and restrict to the rest of the world, um, is effected one way is through Kesef. You give a ring, let's say, and you say, I'm giving you this ring and you'll be my wife. Mukudesha to me through this taking of this ring and transfer rights of marriage to me. Now, the Torah says that one is obligated to his wife to provide her with, amongst other things, um what's called onah, which is uh, intimacy rights, the, the, the rights for the wife to the man, uh, intimate time with her husband. Now, um the Torah says, yes, to provide that, and therefore if a person would say, Haryat Mukudesh at le Al Tanai, or Almanas, making a condition, he makes a stipulation that I'm exempt from providing you with ona. Oh no, I don't have to provide you with with uh with that uh intimate time. So the rule is the Torah says he is obligated to, and therefore his condition is not binding. So they'll be married, and he has to provide her with ona. Oh no, it's simple as that. He can't make a condition which runs afoul of the Torah. Now if it wouldn't be for another section of the Torah, really, conditions in general shouldn't be binding. It's, that's like sort of the step one of the framework of the Torah, like if the Torah says things happen, so you who says you are even entitled to make any conditions whatsoever? However, a person can make conditions when he does various legal events, um, and that's learned out from the story and the particulars of the phraseology of the story when um, the tribes of, of uh, a God and Manasseh they were doing a cross over. Into um, into Israel proper, they wanted to stay on the Trans Jordan. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, "Listen, if you get to the your chalutzim, you're at the front of the battle, and you come across and help the rest of your brethren conquer the land of Israel, so then you can you can have this land. And if not, then not. So that those conditions that if you do this, then this; if not, then not, um, is the base to say that there's such a thing as making conditions." And based on the technicalities of that, of that discussion, um, the Abdullah ends up saying that you sort of have to mirror those, the way in which that, those conditions were set up. I don't get too much of the details because it's like just one mission will take us far off topic. But that's the idea. And therefore, um, when one makes conditions which are um, not contributing to the Torah, so then he can define um, how and if his uh, legal events are binding. So a person could give a, you know, a get to a woman and say, here's your get, you'll be divorced to me as of this minute, if I don't come back in the next 30 days. So that will be then, in fact, effective, because it's not binding unless the conditions are fulfilled. because there's no um, violation of the Torah by making such a condition that it's effective in 30 days if I don't come back, or effective now if I don't come back in 30 days, I should say. Um, or e- either way, just, just be consistent with what I said before. Now, um, in the previous mission, we said that the, the Shomrim, so if I say, you know, I'll pay you money to watch my dog, and you say, okay, I'll be that's a Shomer Sacha, right? A paid watchman. But i if something happens to your dog, if it's Geneva or Aveda or whatever the story is, I'm not paying it back for your dog. Okay, I'll watch your dog, um, but if something happens, I'm not paying it no matter what. And if you agree to that, then fine. If not, not. So you can agree to that, in which case, it'll work. The reason why that will work, meaning that if I become a Shomer and if something goes wrong with the dog, I don't have to pay, is because there's no mitzvah for me and no obligation for me to undertake to become the custodian of your dog. Um so therefore it's sort of a financial agreement between us and um when it comes to financial agreements the Allah is the parties can um can uh, stipulate uh how they how their industry should work. On the other extreme, let's say a person says Harani nazir. A person says, I accept upon myself to be a nazir, the nazir is a person who um has basically three kinds of restrictions on him. He can't become exposed to tuma from a corpse he can't cut his hair and he can't um, basically eat great products like wine Um, so if a person says hareni Nazir he becomes a Nazir if he says hareni Nazir amanas condition that I'll be allowed to drink wine during my Naziris period so then Tana'u Batal his condition is just annulled because the Torah says that a Nazir may not drink wine and remarkably the din is he will be a Nazir he just becomes a Nazir and can't drink wine Um, even though he's sort of Made it sound like it was in his mind clear that he's not agreeable to become a Nazir if he can't drink wine, but he is one anyways. The reason why is because, like I said before, um, if the person says "I'm a Nazir," then he's a Nazir. He who said he could ever make conditions. So the Torah says he could make conditions, but only if they kind of conform to the the rubric that was set out by the by the God of Menasha with Moshe Rabenu kind of rubric. And in this case, if it's going against what the Torah says, so it just doesn't fit that framework, and therefore, it's like you said, nothing. So we kind of cross out the part of his commitment, which had a stipulation which is against the Torah, and he's left with just the commitment to become a Nazir, so he's bound to be a Nazir. It's quite a difficult thing to understand, but that's that's how it's going to work out. So that's basically the framework of our mission over here. Um, interestingly, La L- Halacha in a, the other extreme now, it, it says that in addition to a husband being obligated in um, ona of you know, intimate time with his wife, he's also obligated in sha'ar and ksus, to provide her with um, food and clothing. Now, the Halachal ends up deciding that even though the Torah says he has to provide food and clothing, since those are uh, financial commitments in nature... If a woman says, listen, I want to be your wife, I want to get married, and I'm agreeable to so that you don't have to pay for my clothing, I'll take care of myself or my food or both, so then indeed that marriage would be binding. In contrast, the ona part is not binding because that's not a financial thing, that's like a, a physical issue, and that been the case. So um, if he says I'm not providing shar or ksus, he is uh, still married and exempt from those things, if she agrees. If he says I'm not providing ona, he's still married, but he must provide anyways. Okay, that's the basic gist of the Mishnah here conception a big framework. Here it says inside. You make conditions that are contravening what the Torah says, so then your your um your actions, your legal actions still have are binding anyways, and your and your conditions are annulled. The way the Bartaner learns that we're talking about if you have a an a, a an issue which has both conditions and a physical act. So let's say giving the ring and making a stipulation. So then Tana battle. if you make conditions after the fact, meaning you first do the act and then you um you make conditions that's So not binding. Uh, many learn it's even more than that that if you make uh, like two statements that uh, they're not that the second one um, doesn't kick in if you've already committed the first one, but let's just keep to the first shot very simple, so it's too late. Once you've done your act, you can't make conditions after the fact. The whole shalo kaimo any condition which um could possibly be fulfilled in the future. And you make that condition from the outset, then Then that is a binding condition, meaning, but if it could not be fulfilled in the future, it's an impossibility, then the condition would not be binding. So, for example, if I say, you know, here's your get on condition that you fly to the moon, so then she got her get, and the flying to the moon business is just disregarded because it's not a real thing, we assume he's trying to make her crazy for no good reason, and therefore it's disregarded because no one can fly to the moon. Okay? And um, that's that. The actual Halakh Lama is kind of complicated beyond the scope of what I can do more than what I said already. But with that, we finish the 7th parik, Baruch Hashem, and then now we go into the 8th parik, HaShoel.